right, good morning. Would you please stand as we begin worship this morning? Opening verse for this morning is Psalms 71, verse 3. Psalm 71, verse 3. It says, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Sing Rock of Ages.
everybody online and downstairs can hear. Okay, good deal. Thank you, guys. Hey, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm tired, though. Is anyone else tired this morning? I don't know this mess of changing the time and the clocks and everything. It's going to be nice, like, uh, being able to have some more sunlight in the evening, but, boy, I'm tired this morning. But I'm glad to be here. Glad you guys are here. I'm excited to hear Josh this morning. Uh, it's spring break, and we were going to be in South Dakota uh, this weekend, seeing Mike and Kim and doing some ministry stuff up there. Uh, but somebody had surgery, so we're here this morning, and she's she's here this morning. Uh, we're here this morning, and, and but I, I wanted to hit Josh. I wanted the opportunity to preach. I'm glad to be able to hear him this morning. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to do our welcoming time. I know we have visitors this morning. Glad to see everybody. Uh, we'll do our welcoming greeting time today. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, this morning that we could come to your house, Lord, to worship you and honor you today, uh, Lord, by the preaching and teaching of your word and by giving and by uh, lifting our voices in song and worship and adore who you are, Lord. And uh, Lord, we love you. We do want to honor you. I thank you uh, this morning for Savannah that she's uh, back to church. I also see Jeff back there this morning. What an answer prayer. I'm glad to see him this morning uh, for the first time back. And uh, Lord, I- I'm very thankful to see everybody here today to worship you, Lord, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we love you. As a church, we love you. We want to honor you. Bless our services today, God, and, and in your name I pray. Amen. Take a few minutes this morning and welcome everybody.
seated this morning. I got a few announcements to make. Uh, here's a card. Um, we got this this morning. It is, says, uh, Dear Crossbridge family, thank you so much for the thoughts and prayers, and thank you for bringing the food to our family. Thank you. Love you all, Savannah. Good job, Suze. I'm thanking you for the food, too, because it was good. Thank you, guys. Uh, really appreciate it. So we got a lot going on. I know we have some visitors this morning. Let me, let me kind of go over what we have going on. Uh, the church throughout the week. Wednesday nights we have dinner at 6.15 here at the church. So we have dinner at 6.15 and then we have kids classes. Uh, we have a really good children's department that, that I don't know how, how many kids, you like 30 kids down there this morning? She had 30 kids in children's department this morning. So that was great. Uh, but they have kids classes, youth, we have youth classes and then we have uh, Bible studies on Wednesday night and at 6.45. So 6.15 is dinner. 6.45 are the classes on Wednesday night. And then on Friday nights, we have life recovery. Life recovery on Friday nights from 7 to 8. They'll also have dinner uh, there. And so if you know of somebody who's struggling with addiction, Matt does a great job uh, at life recovery uh, on Friday nights. Then Saturday nights, we have our evangelistic service where we try to reach a lost and dying world. Every Saturday at 5.30, we have dinner. And we have service at 6 o'clock. It's called Marshfield Freeway. Uh, Mike does a great job of heading that up. So uh, thank you, Mike, for that. So that's kind of the stuff we have going on. And we also have men's Bible study. Am I cutting out here a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Okay. I'll just try to talk louder. Uh, men's Bible study on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. And they will have men's Bible study tonight uh, at 6 p.m. Uh, also... Tonight, the young adults are meeting at Dave and Casey's house, young adults, at 5 p.m., and she has, I don't know, about a big old bait of chicken and dumplings ready for tonight, right? I mean, come hungry. A big old thing of chicken and dumplings tonight at Casey and Dave's at 5 o'clock. So we're going to be studying 1 John 
in First John tonight at Casey and Dave's house. Next Sunday is a big day here at the church. Next Sunday is Youth Sunday, and Youth Sunday, the youth take over the services. So the youth will help teach the Sunday school classes. The youth will help with worship. Don't know about the sermon. Haven't had any volunteers to help with the sermon, but I understand that's okay. I'll preach the sermon. It'll probably be geared to parenting and youth or something like that. Uh, That is going to be uh, next Sunday. And then after services, we have... Uh, the youth are going to be serving a big meal for the church. Uh, I think on the menu is lasagna and salad and I don't know what else, but a big meal after the morning service. And then we have a youth auction where we're not going to sell the kids, even though some of us would like to sometimes. We, we will have a, like a pie auction. So if you would like to bring something to that auction, here's the sign-up sheet. We would like to pass it through. And what you're going to bring... I don't know. You guys hear this okay? All right. So uh, put down what you're going to bring and then label it. And then what that money goes, we're going we're to auction it off, and that money will go to camp because the youth will be going to camp this year. Joel and Shelly will be taking them to camp. So that's next Sunday. Uh, also, right, big thank you to the activities team on game night. Who put that on? But whoever did. Great job, activities team. I could probably point some people out, and then I'm probably going to get in trouble after service. They're slinking in their chair back there. So I'm going to, but thank you on the game night. We had a really good time uh, last Sunday night. Put this on your calendars. Please put this on your calendars. Good Friday service. We will have Good Friday service at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. on Good Friday, and we'll take communion that night. It's always a special. Get it going. All right, we good? Okay. Uh, so, Good Friday service at 7 p.m. Now, we usually have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. We're going to do the Easter egg hunt after the Good Friday service, and it's going to be dark, and it's going to be a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt that night. So, I'm sure Miss Sierra will give us more details on some of that when it comes out, but it's going to be for fifth grade and below. Easter morning. Easter morning. We're going to get there. Easter morning. I'm going to have you come up here in a second. Oh, sorry, Matt. You can start walking back up here here with a piece of hardware, though, if you want to. You should have brought it. Uh, Easter morning, sunrise service at 7.30 p.m., breakfast at 8 a.m., Sunday school at 9, worship at 10. The sunrise service will be for the ladies. Men, guess what you get to do? Cook downstairs. So the men will cook a big breakfast for the congregation, and we'll have that Easter morning. Come on up here, Matt. The the Bible trivia team, I told you guys, we've entered this thing twice. We've taken home the hardware twice. If you're going to do something, you might as well do it right. Stand up, Bible trivia team. Stand up, Alan Greenfield in the back. Alan Greenfield was our captain. All right. Good job. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll display it for a year, and then we'll have to take it back for one night next year for the, another Bible trivia, and then we'll bring it back for another year. <laughs> That's the plan, I guess. But hey, here's the point. Uh, here's the point. We should be a church that is studying God's Word. 
That's the most important thing. We should know God's word. And in fact, I got something really special I'm going to tell you uh, that the kids after church today, the church will be holding just for parents today. Uh, but after church, the kids are going to be doing their Bible drill, their church Bible drill here today. And then after April, we're going to do associational Bible drill on a Sunday morning before you guys so you can see how these kids have studied God's word. So it's important to this church. And I told you last Sunday we were going to go win the Bible trivia, and we did. Because it's important. Studying God's word uh, is important. Tommy is also having a softball uh, team meeting for those on the softball team after church this morning. So if you're on the softball team, uh, let Tommy know. And the Youth Progressive Dinner, last announcement, I know I had a lot. The Youth Progressive Dinner is today after church. I thank the people that signed up to feed the youth. The youth will meet right out in front of the church today and start their progressive uh, dinner. Where I don't know where they're going for appetizers and salad and main course and dessert. But you have to be a youth to go. You have to be a youth to go. So, any other announcements that I forgot? I think I got them all, but any other announcements that I forgot? Yes, Mike. March 27th, Outreach, uh, Crossbridge Freeway Outreach here at 10 o'clock in the morning. Definitely need people to go knock on doors and share the gospel in our community. Any other announcements? Okay, if you would stand this morning. We're going to take up our morning offering and enter our time of worship today before Josh brings the word. So let's bow our heads and we'll bless our morning offering today. Uh, and, and then we'll get started with worship. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for all the announcements we had this morning, that we have so much going on uh, in this church body, that we're busy serving you. Lord, I don't want it to just be busy work where we're doing it for, for any other reason but to glorify and honor you and to spread your gospel, Lord. If we are doing it for any other reason than that, Lord, then it's in vain and it won't work. So, Lord, I pray for our ministries that we're uh, engaged in at this church on a weekly basis. I pray, Lord, for our outreach that's going to be coming up, Lord. I, I pray for the youth and, and them taking over the services next week, Lord. And I, I thank you for us having a busy calendar, Lord. Uh, when maybe a lot of people aren't busy right now, we are. And so I'm thankful for that, Lord. Keep us safe. Bless us. Lord, as we enter our time of worship today, Lord, take this, uh, the financial giving, and use it to further your kingdom, God. Use it for people to be saved, and let us be wise at this church in how we spend your money. Let us also be good, good stewards, Lord, of what you've blessed us with. It is an act of worship to give, and so let us give uh, worshiply with joyful hearts, Lord. And Lord, we love you. We do want to honor you. Let us honor you with our singing and the preaching of your word this morning by Josh, Lord. I thank you for him and his time he spent uh, studying this week. And so, Lord, bless him as he brings the word today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Real quick. Not it doesn't even have to be real quick. Come on up here. I didn't put it down. I apologize. My fault. We have a discipleship certificate to hand out. Come up here, Carol, before we take up offering. This is important. Extremely important. We have discipleship. We do discipleship a lot at this church. We meet with people, teach them God's word. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making a disciple is meeting with them and teaching them God's word. Ladies meet with ladies. Men meet with men. Couples meet with couples. And we make disciples. Carol, you want to talk about this disciple E? Oh, I can. I'd love to. Uh, she 
uh, asked me, oh, it's been a few months ago, um, if I would disciple her, and I was so blessed and honored to do that. Um, even though we went through some um, times of um, the holidays, um, COVID, and um, cold weather, and we had to rearrange dates and times, and that with that, she was always there. She never hesitated. And so with that, I knew that um, she, it was important for her to renew her walk with Christ. And even though um, being a Christian is not new to her, but uh, that's what's unique about it to me is um, with that, she uh, wanted to uh, do discipleship, and um, I feel like those uh, scriptures and words of wisdom and everything that she's learned through the years as a Christian, now as she's went through the discipleship, she knows what they are and a place that she can build that foundation and just grow and grow, and I know she's wanting to do that, and so I am very honored and blessed to present you with this certificate of completion. I had a lot of things I wanted to say, and now I don't know what, it, what they were. <laughs> I really enjoyed being with Carol, and um, I love her to pieces. <laughs> If, uh, if you're interested in discipleship and you've never uh, went through a, our discipleship course or you want to teach someone discipleship, please come and get with me or Josh or one of our elders. We will get you on the schedule. We'll part you up, uh, partner you up with somebody. It's extremely important. Let's sing, guys. Let's sing.
was an incredible song selection today. Man, very good job, guys. All right, good morning, everybody. How are we? Good, right? So glad to be in the Lord's house today. Let's turn to John chapter 16, if you would, before you sit down. Kiddos, of course, second grade and under can go downstairs. Um, so whenever you're ready, if the kiddos want to go down there, you're definitely more than welcome to send them. Um, if you want to keep them up here with you, that's fine, too. Totally your decision on that. So John chapter 16, if you would. We've been going through John for a little while now. How long total has it been? Been a little bit. Been a little bit. So, been going through John for a little while, and we're in chapter 16. We, for, I mean, to be fair, I've been in Matthew for 18 months, and we're in eight, chapter 8 in Sunday school, so um, we go very thorough. So, uh, but turn to John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. Today, we're going to talk about the role of the helper. Um, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the work that he does, um, both in the world and the unbeliever, in the believer. Um, it's going to be a really, really good thing to see his role. So let's read together first. Um, stay standing with me if you would for the, uh, the honor of God's word. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away, or excuse me, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. 
and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you this morning. Uh, I just thank you for your grace and mercy that allows us to to approach your throne. Uh, I pray that you'll remove any uh, nerves or or hindrances from me. Uh, I pray your word will be spoken with clarity. Um, You'll be glorified in all that we do. In your holy name I pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. I've been fine all morning, and then I came up to service, and my voice got scratchy, so you'll have to bear with me here. All right, so the role of the helper, um, the role of the Holy Spirit, is often misunderstood today. Um, There seems to be kind of two extremes that a lot of of modern American evangelicalism kind kind of views the Holy Spirit. You have one extreme over here that says, well, the Holy Spirit slays people and makes them fall down and flop like fish and laugh uncontrollably, and there's weird gold dust clouds and all kinds of stuff over here on this end, right? And then we have the other end of the spectrum, which is so far over here that they almost are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. We, he's just kind of that third part of the Trinity that we're really not sure, but I know he does something, and we're really not, and then there's all kinds of spots in between, right? So oftentimes, the Holy Spirit in his role is, is really kind of misunderstood or we're not really looked at intently, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity that John recorded for us to see Jesus' teaching, part of the Trinity, his teaching on what that third member of the Trinity will do. So that's what we're going to examine this morning. It won't be a fully exhaustive study. Um, we don't have time for that in this, in this sort of environment, so this is going to be a couple of the roles, some of the things that he does in working both in the unbeliever and the believer um, and we'll look through those together. Um, but again, you know, you can certainly study uh, more in depth um, on, on your side there. Um, so the first point I want to go through today is the helper will come, but Jesus must go. So if I draw your attention back to John chapter 16, um, verses 5 through 7, I'll just reread those quickly. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So we start out, there's a quick stop I want to make in verse 5, just to alleviate. I always want to try to instill confidence in the word of God, um, help us stand firmly on it. When Jesus says, no one has asked me, where are you going? Um, You may have remembered, uh, or maybe not, but back in chapter 13, verse 36, it's actually recorded that Peter goes, where are you going, Lord? That seems almost like a contradiction, doesn't it? Um, I can assure you it's not. The mindset of what is happening in that uh, phrasing difference and what's going on there is the fact that, let me, let me explain it to you this way. So let's imagine a little boy who has a plan to spend the day with his father, right? The, the dad, they've been, they've been hanging out. They're going to hang out and everything's fine. And the little boy, although the father may not have said this, the little boy has in his mind, I'm going to be with dad all day, Okay. And suddenly, dad announces that he gets a call from work, and he has to go to do his job, right? And the, 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 the father knows that going to do the job provides food and makes money. They can, he, can, he can pay the house payment. Those things are important. But the son, not understanding that, goes, well, where are you going, dad? Right? He's not asking because he wants to understand. He's not asking with the intention of, okay, I need to understand all the things that dad has to do to provide money. All he's asking for is dad's leaving. 
right? So that's the kind of mindset that the disciples were asking to up to this point because they, they didn't understand truly what he was going to do. They, he didn't understand. They didn't understand that, well, if Jesus doesn't go, then we don't get saved. Like there's no salvation. The, the, the finished work of the redemptive plan isn't done if Jesus doesn't go. So up to this point, them asking those questions were not them truly trying to understand where are you going. And so now he's asking them, you haven't said where am I going to truly understand. Does that make sense? So I wanted, I wanted to point that out because there are some that would come and say, well, this is a contradiction because he's saying no one asked. And two chapters before or three chapters before, someone did ask. So there, there is the context difference there. So I always want to instill that confidence. Now, going back to uh, 16 and verse 6, Jesus points out that sorrow filled their hearts. And that's okay. It is okay to be sorrowful when we're in those circumstances, when we're in those places where we don't understand what's going on. We're not happy with those circumstances. As a matter of fact, if you drop down to verse 20 in that same chapter, 20 through 22, there in John, Jesus tells them even more that they're going to be even more upset and, and weep. So in verse 20, it says, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain, but because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. So Jesus explains to them, yes, you're sorrowful now. You're, you're understandably upset now. They didn't understand why the man that had chosen them off the, the side of the, the lake, off of their jobs, they had dedicated th almost three years, were coming to the end of his ministry now, and they've spent this time, they've developed this relationship, they've seen his love, they've seen his miracles, and they don't understand why are you leaving us? It's almost like it's just now getting good. Like, why, why, where, where are you going? And what Jesus says is, it's okay to be sorrowful for that because I promise you joy in the end. And I want to take a moment to point out that regardless of what we're going through today, regardless of our current circumstances, regardless of how bad COVID is, regardless of how bad persecution may come, it already is in several parts of the world, regardless of all that, remember that our joy will be full. In the end, our destination is heaven. That's where we're going. If you are a follower of Christ, you are, and I are going to spend eternity with a holy God. We get to sing holy, holy, holy for all eternity. Okay? This, this temporary sorrow, no matter how much it hurts, is nothing compared to the life that comes after it, to the eternity that comes after this life. Okay? Very, very similar to childbirth. I haven't been through it. My wife has been through it several times. But I've been told... Okay, this is, I'm just going off of what I've been told, that having the children far outweighs the pain of the nine months and the time of childbirth. Having the child is immensely more joyful, and it is worth that. Being in eternity with God is far, far above and beyond anything that we experience here. Okay? But it's okay to have that sorrow, but look towards, in hope, that future. Now, in verse 7, we come to... The crux of what Jesus is saying is that he tells us the truth. So in verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Greek word here is for helper is parakletos or paraclete. The reason why I bring it up is because you will sometimes read 
books about the Holy Spirit that will reference him as the paraclete. The reason why that's important is because helper is not the only word that paraclete translates into. That particular word is actually loaded with English adjectives. So some of the things that paraclete can actually mean is helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, and those are just some of the, 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 just the, the general ones, okay? You can get into more detailed study as you go through, depending on sentence structure and things like that. And we will go into all that. But I wanted to tell you that that, that word, paraclete, adds so much more to what the, the Holy Spirit does in our lives. What does that sound like? Someone that's in your corner, right? Someone that's there for you. Someone to help guide you. Someone that's there to, to comfort you. An advocate. Who is he advocating in front of? God, right? We have an advocate that we can't even, what does scripture say about him groaning with words that we don't even understand and and him translating our sinful prayers? Because no matter how good you think your prayer is, it's not fit for a holy God, right? And he's there as an intercessor helping us to pray, helping us to understand or, or helping us to communicate and have that relationship with a holy God. And none of that will happen. None of that will be able to happen until Jesus returns to the throne with all authority in heaven and on earth, as Matthew 28 says. So until Jesus goes and completes the redemptive plan, so we're looking at this timeline, until he leaves the disciples and he goes and he gives himself away on that cross and he completes the redemptive plan and he sacrifices himself, we don't get the advantage of being indwelled by a member of the Trinity. We don't, we don't get that advantage. And that's what he's explaining to the disciples at the time. You don't understand. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I can be here, and I'm, I'm glad I was able to ta- teach you, and his ministry was there. But Jesus is saying, you don't understand how much better it's going to get. You don't, and it, it, I'm glad that, again, I'm glad that I got to do ministry with you. Okay, I'm, I'm not trying to be blasphemous or, or, or tone down what Jesus is saying. I'm, I'm trying to make it kind of in our, in our language. I'm glad that I was able to spend these three years with you, but it, it's just getting started, fellas. It's just getting started. Wait, wait till this is all over, and then we're going to look at Acts just quickly here in a little bit. The explosion of the church in Acts is because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus ministered as a man to one group at a time, correct? He went around and he ministered to one group at a time. When you see the Holy Spirit indwelling the church, indwelling the disciples, the followers of Christ, the explosion is astronomical compared to Jesus' physical ministry while he was on earth, right? It explodes. So Jesus is saying, not only if I don't go, will you not have redemption, but you'll not have that impact of a third member of the Trinity that I go. So he says, it is to, to your advantage that I go. So then he, he, he sums up that, that sentence so just so amazing that the helper will come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So the helper will be coming. And then the, the second point I want to bring up, and I'm going to move rather quickly because um, I know I'm, I'm running out of time a little bit, so I want to get through these second two points. So the Spirit's work in the world is my second point. We're going to look at verses 8 through 11 here. The Spirit's work in the world. So we're going to see in two different branches here, two different sections of this text, the Spirit's work in the unbeliever, which ultimately is the believer, right, as he works, and then the Spirit's work in the believer after salvation. Okay, so we're going to look at both of those things quickly here. So let me read back through verses 8 through 11. So we're in chapter 16 again, verses 8 through 11. 
Uh, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. So we see three different points there. Let's look at verse 10 first, or excuse me, verse 9. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So the first role, a role, I shouldn't say first, but a role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. But why do they? Con- why does he convict the world of sin? What, is, what does that mean? Well, Romans 1.18 tells us that men suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Men in and of themselves do not believe Jesus' words. If he did, if they did, all of biblical uh, Israel would have been saved, right? If they just believed, because that's what it says, right, in verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. You cannot believe until the Spirit comes to do the work of convicting you of sin. There is no salvation without the Spirit's conviction. It, it doesn't work like that. It, we will never believe on Jesus on our own without the Spirit's work within us. Let me show you a couple of verses here. John chapter 3. Let's turn back to John chapter 3, if you would. John chapter 3 and verse 18. This is the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nick at night. Uh, see what I did there? Um, so John chapter 3. Verse 18, I have dad jokes all day, if anybody needs. So John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Flip the page if you have to, but verse 36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does, he who is, excuse me, But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the Spirit's work convicts of sin because they do not believe in him. There is no salvation without the Spirit's work. And I want to point out also that he graciously convicts of sin. Now, you may go, what do you mean he graciously, isn't the conviction a bad thing? Like, if you're convicted of murder, you're going to go to prison, right? That's a bad thing. A gracious conviction of sin is the first step towards salvation. If you are not graciously convicted of sin, you will not graciously be justified. You will not graciously be sanctified. You will not graciously be glorified. Without that grace coming in the conviction of sin, you will not see the others. It is a gracious conviction of sin. It's nothing in our own that we can do. It's nothing that we can do to earn it. That's not what it says. Without the birth in the spirit, let's look back at John 3. Without the birth in the spirit, we will not see heaven. John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. I'm sure many of us are familiar with this. Verse 5, it says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit... He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It's very clear Jesus is teaching salvation does not happen without the work 
of the Spirit. But what does John 16 say next? So turn back there with me. John chapter 16, let's look in verse 10 now. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Well, it's kind of an odd phrasing there, if you, if you kind of think about it. Well, convicting in righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. So let's break that down together for just a minute. The most righteous person that has ever walked the face of this planet was Jesus Christ. Perfect righteousness. Okay? If he goes, what do we compare righteousness to? What do we have to compare righteousness to as human beings? Our own moral, moral compass, we've seen where that's gotten us. Okay? The only thing that we can compare righteousness to is to the righteous one. But we cannot do that without the, the Spirit's conviction within us. We have to not only understand how sinful we are, we have to not only understand how we've broken God's law, but that even our best, as Isaiah 64, 4 says, even our best is as filthy rags. Our righteousness, the very best that we can possibly produce, is rubbish and garbage before a holy God. And until that conviction of the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of that as well, there is no salvation. Because I can tell you as human beings, and you guys can agree with me, I'm sure, if we are told, and we learn this in our evangelism class, you guys remember, if you go up to someone that is an unbeliever and you say, are you a good person? And they say no, or you know, they'll, they'll be honest for just a minute. And you explain to them why they've sinned, you, you show them the law of God and what they've broken, and you go, well, does that bother you? Well, no, not really, because I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or, well, I mean, I, I guess I've lied a couple times, but I haven't murdered anyone yet, so, I mean, my, I'm not that bad, right? Will we not always justify our sin by how much righteousness we supposedly think that we have? So until we're convicted of the sin and our own righteousness being garbage, okay, we can't come to that, that saving knowledge of him. So the Spirit works within us to show us all of that. As a matter of fact, Jesus, uh, John particularly, records Jesus throughout his whole gospel showing the Pharisees that their righteousness was not righteousness, didn't he? In John 2, he, he cleansed the temple, showing that, that the cleansing, that what they were doing in the temple and selling all those items was not righteousness. It was, it was, it was man-forward glorification, Right? That in, in John 5, 16, when they were upset about healing of the paralytic on the Sabbath, he challenged their righteousness then. You think you're righteous because you're not doing certain things on the Sabbath, which was not the heart of the Sabbath commandment, by the way. It's not that you didn't walk so many feet or pick up a donkey, okay? That's not, that's not what it was about. It was about the heart of the law of honoring God and setting aside a time to worship him. So they were upset about healing a paralytic man. Who, who could be upset about that, Okay. John 7, 19, he tells them that their view of the Mosaic law and them seeking to kill him, think about that being a righteous, incorrect righteousness. That they convicted the most righteous person that ever, that ever walked this earth. Talk about a skewed view of righteousness. And then in John 12, there were some Pharisees that actually believed in him, John 12, 42 through 43, and I, I had them throw those up there. I won't read those, but I just wanted to give them to you as examples. John 12, 42 through 43, the, the Pharisees were so afraid that even those who believed in him would not confess that they believed in him because they wanted man's view of righteousness to be the most important thing. They didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. 
That's just a few examples. And there's more in John if you go through and look. But that righteousness has to be convicted through the Holy Spirit. We have to be convicted of our own righteousness before salvation can come. And there's nothing, our very best is nothing in the light of Christ. When we bring that up and we hold up our best, our gifts, it is utter garbage before the true light. Now in verse 11, we see the third thing that this Holy Spirit does to unbelievers. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So let's think about judgment for just a minute. And I kind of alluded to it a moment ago. Anyone else agree to me? Agree with me that the world's judgments, their scales of judgment are off? A little bit, lot, lot, right? Okay. So the Holy Spirit must convict that the judgment is off, that our own view of morality, our own view of right and wrong is morally incorrect. That before a holy God, it is wrong. Why? Because Satan's a liar and he's the ruler of this world. He's allowed to be the ruler of this world and he twists and perverts everything. Think about the fall, right? What did he do? Twisted God's word, questioned it. What did he do in Matthew 4? In Matthew 4, he came to the son of man, Jesus Christ, and twisted scripture, his own words, by the way, to try to tempt Jesus. Who wrote the scriptures? Jesus, okay? Not the smartest play, but each their own, okay? But the judgment of the world, we have to understand our human judgment because of sin, because of sin entering the world has tipped those scales to be completely off from a holy God whose judgment is righteous, from a holy God whose judgment is perfect, from a holy God who is absolutely just in everything that he does. So the Holy Spirit works in those three ways. Now, when the Holy Spirit works in those ways, you then become, when given the gift of faith, you then become a believer, right? You're given that gift of faith by God, and you come before him, and you say, Lord, I I see my conviction, and you stand and go, I need a Savior, I see it, I see it. My conviction, my righteousness, my judgment, everything is wrong and I need a savior. And he he saves you. Through his grace, the gracious conviction and now the gracious salvation, he saves you. So now you're a believer. So now you're a believer. And when you're a believer, the spirit continues to work in you after the fact. So he continues to teach you things. And, and go through things with you as far as filling out in the teachings of Jesus and, and revealing to you the things that you don't know about Jesus and uh, helping you understand the scriptures. So let's look at John 16. We're going to go back there again. And then we're going to look at 12 through 15. It reads, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So in verse 12, it says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus was teaching them, teaching the disciples, all the things that were going to come 
about, right? They, they, he was explaining his death, his burial, his resurrection. He was preparing them uh, to go through all of that. Um, and we all know, uh, because we, we, we can read it after, that that preparation didn't work, correct? They all abandoned him, um, denied him, um, left him. So that, that didn't work. But what happens after the Spirit comes? If you think forward into Acts, what kind of persecutions did they put up with for the sake of Christ? Right? When that spirit comes to indwell, there are things that you can bear to understand and bear to know and bear to live through once that spirit indwells you. So as that spirit comes, as Jesus is explaining here, they'll be able to bear it once they get there. And then verse 13, it says, when he's, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Who is truth? Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The spirit of truth, look at the unison in the Trinity. The spirit of truth, Jesus is truth. You guys see the, the unity in the, in, the, in, the, in the Trinity there, our triune God that we serve. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. So what does it mean for the spirit to teach us all truth? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and uphold all things, excuse me, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much better than the angels as he was inherited a more excellent name than they. What a glorious savior we serve. But we can't comprehend that without the spirit. He will teach us, he will guide us into all truth because we can't understand anything about Christ without the spirit's revelation. We can't understand anything about this, the truth of Christ without the spirit teaching us that truth. Now, what I mean by that is when, when Christ came, he was the ultimate revelation of God to humankind. That was him self-disclosing who he is, what he does, his attributes, what he wanted to disclose to us, he has revealed to us in Christ. The Spirit is not there to give us extra biblical revelation. He's not to teach us all kinds of things outside of the man of Jesus Christ. That is the revelation of God to man. End of story. But with that revelation being there, right, we have, think of it like this, a shell almost of we know who Jesus is, right? The Spirit comes in and teaches us the information to fill that shell, right? He expands our knowledge and he reveals that to us as we're growing in sanctification, we're growing in the faith. Um, and you can see this, I'm going to give you a few more things to, to look at. The, the prime example I want to give you to, to, to look at this is the early church. We know that Jesus <clears throat> taught throughout his ministry that he came to minister to more than just the Jewish people, right? He went to the woman at the well in John 4, um, who was a Samaritan, who the Jewish people absolutely denied would have any form of worship of God, right? The, the Jewish people really felt that they had the, the, the market, if you will, on God, right? They had, the, they had the temple, we were the chosen people of God, no one else gets this. The change of the spirit you will see explode after the day of Pentecost, which is Acts 2, okay? And then you see it on in Acts 8, 
you see Philip being guided to the spirit to share the gospel to an Ethiopian, right? So this is a prime example. Jesus says, I'm here to minister to everybody. They didn't get it, right? The spirit comes and he starts expanding that knowledge, right? It's revealed in Christ, but they didn't understand it. So now the spirit is teaching them. So he draws the, the Philip to the Ethiopian. Then in Acts 10, he has the vision to Peter and says, go see the centurion, see Cornelius, right? And when does Peter get convinced that salvation is truly for others than the Jews? When the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the Romans, right? That the spirit working there to expand and help us to understand all the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And the last point I want to make is in verse 14 and 15, just a last sub point. In verse 14, it says, he will glorify me for he will not take of mine. For, excuse me, he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Everything that is done is for the glory of God. Everything that the Spirit does, everything we just talked about in this passage, in this text, is for the glory of God. You see the most beautiful picture of the triune God working in our lives in verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So you see the, the Son talking about the Father and the Spirit's work. Perfect, beautiful picture of the triune God. God calls his people the spirit comes and works within them to regenerate them, to, to change their heart. And the son's sacrifice justifies his atonement, his sacrifice atones for the sins that you have committed. The work of the, the, the Godhead in salvation, three individual persons in one essence with one unified goal who created the universe from beforehand, put the redemptive plan in place, and then works it to his initial, his, the, the very minute detail of his decree saves you. Think about that for just a minute. It should bring you to a place of going holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's what I want to encourage you with if you're a believer. If you're a follower of Christ, this should make you drop to your knees and go, thank you for the gracious conviction. Thank you for showing me my righteousness is as filthy rags. Thank you for showing me my need for you and then teaching me the truth. His grace teaches us the truth so that we can continue to grow in him, so that we can fellowship with him, so that we can one day spend eternity with him. All through the work of the triune God. If you are not a follower of Christ, and the praise team can go ahead and head this way. If you're not a follower of Christ, I hope this message has challenged you. I want to encourage my brothers and sisters and say this spirit will continue to work within you. When you put your faith in Christ, continue to pray. Continue to ask the spirit to work within you. Continue to trust him for what he's guiding you. If you want to, if you want to see how the spirit works real time, read Acts. We're starting through Acts on Wednesday nights. You see it over and over and over. The spirit moved in them. The spirit fell on them. The spirit came upon them, okay? So read that. Only caveat I want to give you I'm going to read you a quote because it's said better than anything else that I can say. If private revelations agree with scripture, they are not necessary. And if they disagree, they are false. The Holy Spirit does not reveal outside of that book. If you get a feeling, if you get something that says, you know what? 
I really feel God, the Holy Spirit's leading me to divorce my wife or abort my baby, I am telling you that is not the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's not what that is. Okay? But I want to encourage my brothers and sisters in that. If, if you guys can stand with me, if you would. If you are not a follower of his, I pray that this, this message today has convicted you and you've seen that the Spirit, and, you, and I hope that he's working on you. If you need to talk about salvation, if you need to talk about not understanding or believing on him, please come forward and talk to us. Myself, Jeff, any of the elders, um, if we have to line us up and talk for an hour, we will, okay? This is too important. So if you feel the conviction of the Spirit, please come talk to us if you need to pray, whatever the case may be. But we're going to sing a song um, as we get ready to close today. I think I'll pray and then I think I'll pray while they're getting started. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you and, and share this word. I thank you for the encouragement that it is to see you work within us and to bring us to a, a place of praise, Lord, for all that we learn about you should be bringing us to a place of praise. It should bring us to a place of worship. And I pray that that is what we leave here with, is glorifying you for the salvation that you have uh, given us. And I pray for those who uh, do not have that salvation, that if they feel the conviction of the Spirit, Lord, they would come and, and confess their, their faith in you. In your holy name I pray.
So I forgot to announce this this morning. We've been praying about this before Josh closes us in prayer. Great job, too. I'm very thankful to have elders that can bring the word and, and fill in. And uh, he does a great job teaching. And thank you, uh, Josh, for the time you spent this morning. So the 31st of this month is a Wednesday night. Um, I, I brought this up a little bit last week. Um, we, we support Choices Pregnancy Center, I mean hardcore, on the fight against abortion. On the 31st this month, uh, a pastor from Texas, his name is Mark Dixon, he is going to be coming up and speaking with this church. We're going to be inviting people uh, from town. There are 21 cities in the United States that have passed uh, local city ordinances outlawing, banning uh, abortion in their city limits. They're all in East Texas, and his group, uh, East Texas Right for Life, is the ones that have gotten it done. He is going to be working with this church and hopefully some other churches to be the first city in Missouri that we pass the same thing. So, yes. So pray about this. Please pray about this. He's going to be coming up on Wednesday night, the 31st. We'll have everybody up here that night. Definitely uh, try to be here. Uh, Josh is working out the travel details with him, but he's going to be here on that day uh, and be praying about that because he's going to be coming up this summer and we'll be presenting this before uh, city council this summer. Amos chapter 4 says our responsibility is to bring righteousness to the city gates. That's what we have to do uh, regardless of what anyone says or persecution or anything else. So please be praying about that as well as Senate Bill 391. That's right? what I was getting ready to talk about. Yeah, so you guys may have seen on Facebook, we went Wednesday to an abolition rally in Jeff City. The largest turnout they've ever had. There were people waiting outside the committee room for 391, which Senate Bill 391 is the abolition bill written by a Christian senator, Mike Moon. Please be praying for him. Um, but he wrote it to literally make it illegal in the entire state of Missouri. Okay. I posted earlier this week um, of the senators that are in the committee because basically what it has to do is get yeses from the committee to go to the floor for a full vote to make it law. If we don't get it out of committee because several of the bills have come up and they've all gotten lost in committee, okay? Call these senators if you have time. It's on Facebook. Just search the, the church name. It's in there. I made a whole post. All the senators' names, their phone numbers, their office phone numbers. Only thing I would ask is be polite. I know abortion can be a very emotional thing. Simply call, state where you're from, and ask them politely to vote yes, okay? We're just trying to show support. We don't want to badger them or, or berate, right? That's not, that's not our goal, okay? Um, but please, please take time to do that because they're voting week after next. So we have about a week to make an impact. Big things coming. Big things <coughs> coming in the next few months. Yes, absolutely. And I, I did forget to have an, an official benediction, so I'm just going to reread what I think is the most encouraging verse from our passage today. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Jesus says that about the Holy Spirit. You can take that to the bank. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Okay? He's, he, that's, a, that's a command. That's a promise. So let's pray today, and then we're going to have about 10 minutes or so, 10 minutes before... Um, we have the, the, the Bible drill, okay? 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again today for the fellowship, for being with the body, Lord. Um, thank you for the worship um, in, in just letting us see how your spirit works and the gracious conviction um, that you have in our lives to give us that gift of salvation. I praise you for that. Um, help us all as we go out this week to, uh, to live to your glory. In your holy name I pray.